evening, everybody. Once again, welcome to our primetime podcast here from Calvary Baptist Church in Gaylord, Michigan. The original air date of this podcast is Sunday, October 24th in the year 2021, and we are continuing to work through the book of Daniel. We've been in this since Labor Day, and it's going to take us uh, at this pace because we've been digging in a little deeper than I thought we might have. Frankly, this is going to take us probably right into the Christmas season. And uh, that's all right, because we'll have been spending a fair amount of time in a, a very substantive book. And the first six chapters of it, on the whole, are fairly approachable. And we're in chapter six tonight. And it's the last of the sections that is um, fairly easy to wrap our arms around. I mean, there's, there's the awkwardness of names and there's a certain amount of symbolism with the dreams and the visions that, that the kings need help interpreting. But then when we get into chapter 7 from there through the end of the chapter, it gets a lot more challenging. And I hope you'll look forward to that. But tonight, it's a well-known story. It's a very well-known story. Daniel and the lion's den. I even preached on this uh, several months back. But let's take a look at it once more because it tells us a lot about faith and obedience and the power of God. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, the privilege to study your word. Thank you for the power of technology where we can go through these Bible studies and it can be offered at a time that works better for people because we are busy folks and those that are members and regular attenders here also have different health challenges that make it more and more difficult for us to gather together a second time on a Sunday. So thank you for this privilege, Lord. May we view it that way, and we ask you'll speak to our hearts. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, Daniel chapter 6, and if you have not read chapter 6, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take a moment and do so. It's uh, it's not a particularly long chapter. It's only, um, what do we have here, 27 verse, 28 verses. So go ahead and read it, perhaps a couple of times, and then come back. So stop the recording now and go ahead and do that. And we are back. Now just to kind of uh, do what we I've been doing here, there was a television show that was one of my favorites when I was growing up, and it was back in the days when there was always a narrator. And each episode tended to start with the narrator using the phrase, Last week, as you recall, with that deep radio voice, um, it says at the end of Daniel chapter 5, in that night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. He was killed. And Darius the Median, meaning the, the Persian, the Persians and the Medes, took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old, 62 years old at the time. So this was the transition from that that writing on the wall that needed to be interpreted, just kind of as a quick memory refresher. So now the Persians are in charge of that whole region. And this has overtones, heavy overtones, to the book of Esther. To the book of Esther. And I preached on the book of Esther in our Sunday morning series on the E-Team. I preached on Esther on October 10th. So that's very recent, and many of you may remember that message. But this is now the story of Daniel under King Darius. So here we go, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. 
it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because of an excellent spirit in him, and the king thought to set over him the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, forasmuch as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So what I would like to do is I would like to um, just take a second and look at what's really going on there. Daniel, a faithful believer, serving a pagan king in a very pagan setting, has been dealing all along with doing his duty that he's called to do. And as long as it doesn't require him to deny something that God has taught them, in that case the Jewish law, he's fine doing it because he's there to be light and salt. So if we were going to take a look at those first um, first few verses in Daniel chapter 6, basically this new king, Darius, divides the kingdom into 120 provinces and he gives a, a point, basically a, a governor, a high officer over each province. And the king chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers in order to protect the king's interest. That's how trusted Daniel was. And he was trusted not by selling out his beliefs. Remember even earlier on the matter of eating the food sacrificed to idols. He developed a good relationship with people who he knew didn't believe what he believed. These are great examples for us. These are not the things that we see today, unfortunately, amongst many who are um, want to be activists in the Christian community. I'll give you an example of somebody who I think has followed Daniel's example very, very well. The gentleman who grew up in northern Michigan, Lee Chatfield, who was the Speaker of the Michigan House for a few years, had served in the Michigan legislature for a long time. A pastor's son, his pastor, Rusty Chatfield, pastor of the church in Burt Lake. And Lee Chatfield, as a true Bible-believing, born-again Christian, served faithfully and honorably and rose to the position of being the Speaker of the House, not by insulting and putting down and saying bad things about people he disagreed with, but by developing relationships with them so that even when they disagreed with him, there was trust and there was an ability to work together. And, uh, you know, he has faced criticism from fundamental Christianity, and I think they're wrong. God used him powerfully to help be a force for good and for right there in Lansing, Michigan. And so we need to pray for his critics from the right. We certainly need to pray for his critics from the left, but we need to pray for his critics from the right side of the political equation, too. And we need to remember that way back in the Bible, Daniel is another example of being in the world, but not of the world. And so often... Fundamental Christianity has taken the doctrine of separation and almost hyperized it and turned it into something that just doesn't function very well at all. So here is Daniel in this position. 
and he's there to protect the king's interests. He soon proves himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. So the king makes plans to place him over the entire empire. Very much like Joseph, serving under Pharaoh all those years earlier. But in verse 4, it talks about how the other administrators and high officers are looking for some way to find where he's mishandling things. And they couldn't find anything because he was always so faithful and responsible and trustworthy. And they said, the only chance that we have is to find grounds of accusing him that are, in connected, with, that are connected to his religion. Um, <laughs> almost prophetic there, because what you see happen today is people will try to criticize you on the grounds of your faith. We see it in the political world. A gentleman named Ben Carson, who a long time was a doctor, I believe. Uh, ben Carson is a Seventh-day Adventist. And um, he served in Donald Trump's cabinet, one of the cabinet posts. I, I believe it was um, uh, Health and Human Services, but it was in one of those posts. And Dr. Carson was certainly criticized from the left because of his Christian beliefs. But he was also criticized by the, the uh, you know, the ultra-right because he was serving in that role and he never should have. Uh, it's, it's kind of like the individual that told me that the public school should have never existed in the first place. And so because of that, everything that I ever did and every difference I made in the lives of young people for 30 years should have never happened just simply because that individual says so we end up with some <laughs> ridiculous stances, and we need to follow the lesson of Daniel. All right, so they're trying to find something against him, and they can't, and so now they're going to use his beliefs against him. So let's go back here to chapter 6 now, and here's what it says. Then the, the presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdoms, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute. Not statue, but statute, meaning a, a law, a policy. And to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save, o thee, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem and kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Uh, in everyday language from verse 6 through 10. Basically, the administrators say, hey, king, we've talked about this, and all of us that are your administrators and advisors and governors and officials, we think the king should make a law that ought to be very strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anybody who prays to anyone except you should be thrown into the den of lions. And now, by the way, sign this law so that it cannot be changed. So it's the official law of the Persian Empire. It can't be revoked. And Darius signs the law. 
what they're basically doing is creating a law that criminalizes Daniel's, the practice of Daniel's faith. Now, that is one of the things that people are fearful of today. Um, there is certainly reason for concern. I think some people get a little carried away with their fear. Um, but at the same time, there certainly is some reason for concern. Christian faith and practice isn't criminalized as much as it's going to be penalized. One of the ways that they will probably try to do that is with the tax-exempt status of church buildings. Another way they'll probably try to do it is with the tax-exempt um, advantages of the income, at least a portion of the income, that pastors receive. You, you receive a certain of your salary towards what's called housing allowance, and you pay Social Security tax on it, but you don't pay federal income tax on it. Now, my salary is modest enough that most of my salary falls under housing allowance, as long as I can document all those expenses and I keep track of them very carefully. And those things in the future through tax law could very well come onto, under review as a penalty because my faith and the faith of this church does not support the current laws of the land as it relates to things such as same-sex marriage. Now, is that a stretch? Um, it is and it's not. I think it requires watchfulness. In military terms, it's a yellow alert, not necessarily the red alert that some people sound the warning on. And when it does become a red alert, we need to be like Daniel and not to be like some of these um, loudmouth Christian activists today that are behaving in a very unchristlike manner. You've heard me talk about that before. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to have my concern about that take over these podcasts. And yet at the same time, I, I have to point out to you, because I have to point out to myself, Daniel, as the example. You see, on some of those hot-button issues, I could easily fall into the same pit pothole that those guys have fallen into when it comes to uh, their passions overcoming uh, their sense of self-control. So let's now go on to chapter 10. Go on to Daniel chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 10. Here we go. It's, it talks about that Daniel knew that this law was signed, and he goes into his house. His windows are even open. And he kneels three times a day, and he prays. So starting in verse 11. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save, O thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth thee not, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, and maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king, and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Persians is, that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. The king, then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake 
and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the lion, or mouth of the den, excuse me. <laughs> and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be charged, changed concerning Daniel. Uh, a little bit, uh, the wording there is uh, just a little difficult to follow. This is where good tools can help us. And here's what it really says, is that officials go together to Daniel's house. They're looking for him doing this, and they find him praying. So they go straight to the king and say, hey, great king, did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, anybody who prays to anyone except you is thrown into the den of lions? And the king says, yes, it's the official law. It can't be revoked. And then they said to the king, well, Daniel, one of those guys that are captives from Judah is ignoring you. He still prays to his God three times a day. The king's troubled, and he tries to think of a way to save Daniel. He spends the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. And in the evening, the men went together, and they say to him, Your majesty, you know that this is according to the law, and you can't change it. So at last, the king gives the orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king says to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And it says, A stone is brought and placed before the mouth of the den. Basically, they seal it up, and the king seals the stone with his own royal seal so that nobody can rescue Daniel. And then the king returns to the palace, and he spends the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment, and he couldn't sleep all that night. So what you're seeing here, if we really take a look at this, obviously, is um, Daniel stood alone. He knew that praying to anyone except the king could cost him his life. And so here's an example of, of a, years ago, would have been called civil disobedience. Martin Luther King led civil disobedience as part of the civil rights movement. He did not advocate violence, quite the contrary. So even in this example, Daniel says, when you've told me to do things that did not violate my understanding of God's teaching, I will do those things. And when you've told me that I may not do things that I must do according to the teachings of God's word, I'm going to obey God. This is a classic case of 1 Corinthians 6 and Romans 13. In a foretelling in some ways, Romans 13, obey the governing authorities. And 1 Corinthians 6, when we are in a struggle between obeying man and obeying God, if they conflict, we'll obey, we'll obey God. So there's just a lot going on here. And... Um, He's thrown into the lion's den, and the king, who obviously liked Daniel, tried to preserve him, and his advisors basically are just, they've plotted against him. They see that the king is weakening, and they're saying, oh, great king, remember, even you can't change this law. And the king says, all right, carry it out. And he says to Daniel, your God, who has been so faithful to you, will save you. It's interesting, interesting, because the king doesn't really believe in the God of all creation, Daniel's God. At the same time, here's something for him to see and to face. Um, 
It's very interesting. So we got verse 18, okay? Daniel 6, verse 18. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither the instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Verse 21, Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. Forasmuch as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought these men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions had mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. <laughs> Another one of these great reversals of things, much like in the book of Esther, which, as I said, I preached about just a couple of weeks ago. And then the chapter concludes here in verse 25, Then King Darius went unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be unto the end. He delivered and rescueth, and worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus, the successor king, the Persian. You know, when we look at that, what I see there is conversion. I see Darius, from a pagan culture, recognizing, as did Nebuchadnezzar earlier, the God of the Hebrews is the one true God. Now, let's take a look at some of this just a little more closely. Back, back to verse 18, Daniel 6, 18. The king returns to his palace and he spends the night fasting. He doesn't even want the usual entertainment. He just couldn't sleep. Why? He liked Daniel. He knew Daniel. He did not want to do this to Daniel. So he gets up very early the next morning and he hurries out to the lion's den. He gets there, he calls out. He says, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? It's an interesting question to ask because if the lions had consumed him, Daniel couldn't answer the question. So in a way, by the very fact that the king asked the question suggests that he believed that God was going to deliver Daniel, doesn't it? And Daniel answers, Long live the king. God has sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths, and they couldn't hurt me, and I, I've been found innocent in his sight. 
and I have not wronged you, your majesty. Look at the respectful tone. The respectful tone. The king's overjoyed, orders Daniel be pulled out, not a scratch is found on him, for he had trusted in God. The king gives orders to arrest the men who had so maliciously accused Daniel. They're thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. That's the one there where I think we have trouble with it. Uh, very much like, um, quite honestly, very much like uh, the passage in Second Kings when I preached on um, Elisha, and he's heading up to Bethel. That discussion of the little children, which probably is better understood as a gang of young thugs, and they make fun of him and basically say, get out of here, we don't want to hear your word, and a couple of bears come up and just maim them all. Remember that? We're thinking of, okay, look, if those guys who accused Daniel did so wrong, maybe they brought that unto themselves, but their wives and their children too. These are things that are hard to deal with. It says the lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. These are difficult passages. And we look at that and we say, that's not fair. Well, I would say this. Be careful. Be careful on deciding what's fair. If we want what's fair, we're not going to get grace ourselves. We don't want what's fair. We want grace. Because if, if God was going to be fair with everybody, we would all stand condemned. I don't know why it had to be that the wives and the children were killed too by the lions. In other words, if um, why, why wouldn't it be that God, for example couldn't have just allowed the men that accused Daniel to be killed, but the lions left the wives and the children alone? I don't know the answer to that. But when we start nitpicking at Scripture so much, before very long it rollerballs to the point where we start beginning to say the parts we believe and the parts we don't. We don't know why God allowed that. But we know that he allowed it because it's recorded in Scripture. So... Look at where it goes on from there. King Darius sends this message to the people of every race and nation throughout the world. Basically, he's saying, everyone in my kingdom should tremble before the God of Daniel. He's the living God. He's going to endure forever. His kingdom's never going to be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders. In the heavens and on the earth, he rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Cyrus was the next king. Message to us today is the following. For one thing, God put specific people in specific places at specific times for specific purposes. There's the first one. Secondly, and I'm going to extrapolate this a little bit, I'll admit... Public service is honorable when done honorably. The person who said to me the public school should have never existed in the first place and therefore my service in there was sin needs to read the book of Daniel. That being said, God intervenes in situations because governing authorities, whether they be kings or elected officials, are there because God has placed them there. And their rule, their place there is to be a force for good. And when they're not a force for good, God's probably going to deal with them. As he did with Belshazzar, who 
was killed that night, and that's when Darius the king came and began his rule. The point is, is that all of us are placed where we are for a reason, for a season. And we're there for our light to shine. And I think our light shines best when we do so, not only honorably, but we do so in a way that, uh, quite honestly and quite frankly, that we don't act like jerks. Because there are way too many people who are professing Christians, and I think men tend to have this problem more than women do. I will so I'll openly admit that. Christian men who are very intense in their belief seem to have great difficulty avoiding being a jerk to those who don't share their viewpoint. Daniel didn't have that problem. Daniel was honorable, and God blessed his service and protected him. And in our lives, when we have those moments where we feel like we're being thrown into the lion's den, figuratively speaking, God is with us, and he will guide and protect us. Chapter 6 of the book of Daniel is fairly transparent and easy to follow. The question for any of us is, are we going to listen to what it has to say? Thank you for being a part of this podcast tonight. Have a great evening. Have a great week. And I look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you all.